Psalm chapter 61, as we consider or continue our look at encouragement for the soul. And uh, this month has been our focus this Sunday mornings. And uh, Psalm chapter 61, we visited there before. We'll pick up once again. If you need a Bible, there's one in front of you in the back of the pew. Sure would love for you to, to follow along. We'll not look at a bunch of verses. It'll kind of be back heavy in the message this morning as far as some passages that we turn to. It'll be a few minutes before we get to Psalm 61 there. But find your space and or your spot there and uh, find on joining us uh, as we continue. We kind of looked at today and obviously with tonight congregational meeting, the, this evening's message entitled Why I Love FBC. Um, well, with that focus in mind, I'll tell you one of the reasons that I do love Fostoria Baptist Church and have come to love it for this is this reason. This church is actually full of encouragers. People who encourage, people who lift up and encourage one another. And I'm thankful for that. We have a lot of encouragers here. And uh, we'll see this morning, that is crucial because God designed the church, wants His church to be just that, full of encouragement, if we might put it that way. But before we get to this morning's installment, let's kind of catch up with where we're at. We've talked about how do I deal with discouragement, despair, and, and even depression as we all face it. And so we've, we've learned these truths about it. And I'll go through it quickly. I know we have some visitors, so this could kind of bring them up uh, with us. First of all, no one is exempt. No one is exempt from discouragement, depression, and despair challenging us to a wrestling match. We, we all have those wrestling matches. It's all going to happen in life. No one is exempt from them coming and coming through one of those opening doors or open doors and challenging, challenging us to a wrestling match. Number two, we saw this uh, statement. Uh, if that, uh, it's, okay, over, it's okay to be overwhelmed or to be overwhelmed is okay, but to be defeated and immobilized is not. Uh, so it's okay to be overwhelmed. Life is going to overwhelm us at times. But reality is God does not want you and I to be defeated or immobilized. Number three, if those, all those things are true, then we have to conclude that all men, that all people need encouragement. And so that's why one of the crucial points of the church being a place of encouragement is if everybody needs encouragement, they ought to get it at church. They ought to get it from one another, fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. Then we saw these simple statements too. Uh, if God main, means things unto good, then I must trust the master's hand, that he is the master weaver of my life, weaving everything together for my good, because he does intend it to be good. Then we saw this. If God promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us, then uh, when I'm in the pit of despair, when I'm in the pit of despair and discouragement, I can and I must look up. I have that opportunity to look up to God. And as we stated in the message, when we look up, God looks down and he often comes down to be with us right there in the middle of our storm. Then we saw this simple statement too. When he says they won't perish or we won't perish, no man's going to pluck us out of his hand. When discouragement and depression threaten to ruin our life, we must stop thinking short term. That this is the end of my life. I'll never survive this. I'll never get through. No, no, no. If you're a child of God, you know that struggles will not last forever, but you will. And that's the promise of God, and we can take that to the bank. Then we said this and just uh, last week, trust is training, right? And trust is training. That includes trusting his customized curriculum for you. In other words, his customized design for you and uh, your life, what your life is, the ingredients of your life. And if we trust his training, then we can start to think about the training. And thinking about the training is just simply asking this. What is it or what area in my life is God trying to grow me in? through this situation in my life 
through these circumstances, through my life, each step of the way, where is he trying to grow me? Now, these things are crucial and, and very important uh, for you and I in those wrestling matches with discouragement, depression, and despair. Now, of great concern to us this morning, and the Lord certainly is this. The person who is discouraged and despair and in despair or depressed, and you don't see the need to do anything about it. In other words, maybe here this morning, you're sitting in a pew there, and in, in reality, in your life, discouragement, depression, and despair have won the day. Those are the things that have, have really ruled more so than anything else. And, and really, if you look back on 2018, it was just discouraging year, it was depressing year. Things didn't go well. You were in despair for most of the year. Can I tell you, this morning, we are most concerned about you. Maybe you say, hey, well, um, uh, I just don't think I can ever have victory. I don't think I can ever win those wrestling matches with depression, discouragement, despair. I, I don't think I can come out on top. And, and you've grown accustomed to it. And you don't want to put forth the effort and the energy to, to defeat it and with God's strength, or you don't think you can. I want you to see this morning, and, and, and pardon my frankness, but I want you to see this morning, if that is where you are at, and that is your thinking, such thinking is both selfish and harmful. It is both selfish and harmful. Now think of it with me. You see, there is no comforted baker and butler without a Joseph. There is uh, no doubly endowed Elisha without an Elijah. There's no friends to be prayed for at the end of the book of Job without Job. There is no established king of, of kingdom of Israel without David. There's no Timothy or church plants without Paul. And there's no Paul without a Barnabas or Ananias. Oh, concerning one of the studies that we have in this series... There's no land in Egypt for the entire nation of Israel if there is no Joseph. Could you think this morning how much would have been lost if any one of these folks, any one of these dear saints, if they had fully given in to depression and discouragement and despair? How others would have been affected, the harm that would have been created, if they were selfish to focus in on their own discouragement and allow it to defeat them, how many people would have been affected? How many things would have been affected? What harm would have been done? Can I ask you this morning, here's a question. If you give in to discouragement, depression, and despair, what's going to be lost? In this year, if you have some days, some weeks, some months in which you give in to despair and discouragement and depression, what's going to be lost? What's going to be affected? What will be lost in the life of others, family members and friends? What's going to be lost in the form of victories for the kingdom of God? You're not focused on soul winning. You're not concerned about what his uh, interest and what pleases him. What's going to be lost in our church? What ministries will be left undone? What things will not be accomplished because discouragement, depression have, have won the day? This morning, I'd like for us for just a few minutes to consider some reasons why you and I must not lose our individual wrestling matches with discouragement, depression, and despair. Because if we do, here's some of the outcomes. Here's some of the outcomes, and I apologize, it may not be easy to read, okay? Um, but listen carefully, you can write it down, all right? It is not an accurate reflection of the Lord I serve in the God who is my Father. 
If I give in to depression and discouragement and despair, it is not an accurate reflection of the Lord I serve and the God who is my Father. See, a child of God who stumbles along in life, dominated by defeat of discouragement, depression, and despair, is a poor reflection of the God who gives victory, of the God who promises hope, of the God who says that I've come to give you abundant joy. If our lives are mired in discouragement, if they are weighed down with depression, we don't accurately reflect the God who has offered all these things. When I have allowed despair to settle in my mind and my heart, then I'm in no position to adequately represent my Lord and Savior. Think about it. When all you are filled with is woe is me and, and poor me, life is terrible, I just want to die, then how in the world is someone supposed to see the God of heaven that has given you and promises them abundant life? A joyous life. A grace-filled living. And the blessings of heaven and earth. May I tell you this morning they can't? So when discouragement, depression, and, and even in its smallest forms, when discouragement, depression, and despair, when they take root in our lives and we lose a wrestling match on, on a Monday or, or we lose it on a Thursday, the fact is this, what happens, the harm that is done is that I do not accurately reflect that day the Lord who I serve and the God who is my Father. Can I put it this way? And I think it succinctly states it. You and I have a blessed hope. Aren't you thankful this morning for the hope you have in Jesus Christ? The hope of heaven. We have a blessed hope, but here's the problem. Nothing will cover up the bright rays of that hope as effectively as the dark clouds of despair, depression, and discouragement. You and I ought to be walking around as the most hopeful people. Not that we'll win the lottery. Not that our favorite team will win the Super Bowl. But we walk around with the hope of what? The hope of heaven. A guaranteed promise. A blessed hope, as the Scriptures put it. But I'll tell you, you want to rain on your parade? You want to bring in the dark clouds of despair and discouragement and depression? They will cloud up that hope shining forth. People aren't going to see it. That's why it's so crucial for you and I as believers. Wait a minute, I'm not going to lose a wrestling match. I'm going to think about these truths we mentioned before. I will not get down in the dumps. I'm not going to allow myself with the Holy Spirit's help and the power of God's Word, these truths and these promises, I'm not going to lose a wrestling match because I don't want to be a poor reflection of my Lord and the God whom I love. Because when we do, we render ourselves to be inaccurate representations of our Savior. If I'm not doing well internally, I'm not going to do well externally. Simple as that. So Christian, fight. Wrestle. Get down and get dirty with discouragement and depression and despair and use the truths of God's Word to encourage your heart. I love what it is said about David. We'll say it more about it next week. But David, in one of the greatest times of his life where he could have given in to discouragement, people around him had given up on him. They were threatening him. And it says, the Bible says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. 
And I'll tell you what it simply means. What went through David's head is, wait a minute, God has made some promises. God said, I'll be king of Israel. God said that he'll watch over me, that nothing's going to prevent his will from being done. I can trust in God. I can trust that all things work together for my good. And so I'm going to put my faith and trust in my God. And you know what David did by remembering the promises of God? He encouraged himself in the Lord. And you and I can do the very same thing so that we are an accurate reflection, an accurate reflection of our Savior. We can be beaming with the hope that God has given us. You know, number two, what happens, though, is this. It immobilizes me, bringing me to halt in my mission here on earth. It immobilizes me, bringing me uh, to a halt in my mission here on earth. Nothing brings a Christian to a halt in their job and ministry here on earth more than giving in to discouragement and depression. I would like it under this. It's like spiritually popping the tires and blowing an engine. It's like spiritually popping the tires and blowing an engine. When you and I give in to discouragement and depression, it just brings it all to a halt. We grind to a halt. We become immobilized in the goals and missions we have here on earth. You and I as believers were called to grow God's kingdom, to show him off to a lost and dying world, to build up fellow believers, to win souls. And yet when I'm so consumed with my own discouragement, my own depression, the things of the Lord go undone or not done well. You think about it. When was the time you gave in to depression and discouragement? We all have ministries. We all have calling on our lives to minister to others. And whether it be you sitting in the pew or a pastor behind a pulpit, we all are here and given talents as we saw in our study on the church. We are all given talents and gifts so that all can profit with all. So rowdy is, what happened when you were depressed and discouraged? Our focus becomes so narrow on ourselves that we fail to fulfill our ministry to others. And so we might put it this way. Ministries are neglected. Responsibilities are dropped. The unsaved are ignored and forgotten. And I falter to keep up my mission here on earth. And boy, does Satan love that. He, he, he loves that. When you and I fail and we don't show up for roll call, if we might put it that way, in God's army that we just heard about, being soldiers of the cross and soldiers of Jesus Christ, Satan loves it when you and I don't show up because we're discouraged, we're depressed, and we're in despair. And he loves it. Because what happens when we become immobilized? We bring to a halt our mission here on earth. Number three, and I I think this is so crucial, it, it, it ties into the fourth one too but uh, let me put it this way number four the outcome is this i will lose my positive influence and impact on those around me i will use my 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 positive impact and influence on those around me it has been said and i've shared it with you before no man is an island unto himself and so it is true you may be at the center of your life, but in the circumference of your life, there are other people. And you are in the circumference of the life of others. So it is more than just you that's affected by what goes on in your life. Whether we like it or not, we have an impact on others positively or negatively. And what does discouragement lead to typically in our lives when it comes to our outlook and our speech? So if you're depressed and you're discouraged and, and people are around you and you do impact people, when you're discouraged and you're in despair and, and you're depressed, how does that look for your outcome? I'll never make it through this. Ah, this is terrible. 
I can't believe I'm going through this. Why did this have to happen to me? And all of a sudden, we become complainers, and our utterances are filled with what? Negativity. So gone is our positive influence where you and I are called to build up one another. That our words are supposed to be filled with grace that, that minister grace to others. And now what happens because of our discouragement, our despair, our depression, what we've allowed to occur in our lives is our outlook is terrible. If I make it through today, it'll be a miracle. If I live through this, oh, and, and all of a sudden our outcome and our utterances become all negative. I don't know about you, but I don't like hanging around negative people. Unless it's their blood that's be negative. But anyway, okay, I, I don't want to be around negative. I don't want to be around people who, who are discouraged and depressed and, and in utter despair. That's not uplifting. But boy, that's what happens to us. I like what one preacher said. And a message I was listening to a couple of weeks ago, I thought it was fantastic, but it's probably because he was one of my favorite preachers. But he said this, uh, let, me, oh, let me back up. Do you remember what a dark room was or is where they develop, okay? That's kind of gone by the wayside with digital and, and mass production of photos. But it used to be photographers had their own dark room and they'd go in there and in and, and the dark room, they develop their own negatives. Kids, that's what pictures used to come from. Anyway, <laughs> before digital happened, okay? And uh, they had their own little negatives. And, and boy, some of us still have those strips of negatives. You have some of those too. And uh, strips of negatives. Anyway, don't look at me. Some of you younger ones, like you don't know what I'm talking about, okay? But uh, you remember that. You understand that. This is what he said. And I think it's so very true. He said this. Discouragement is the dark room where negatives are developed. The negatives of fear, failure, doubt, depression, and negative speech. And boy, I think that's so true. Discouragement is the dark room where negativity is developed. It is. You show me a discouraged, depressed person, someone who is in utter despair of life, and I'll tell you, they'll have fears, they'll have failures, they'll have all kinds of negative speech coming out of them, complaining and whining. Why? Because they're going to be affecting other people. And their outlook has been affected. They're thinking short term. They're, they're, they haven't trusted in God as the master weaver. They're not trusting his plan and his training. They're not thinking about what is it that God wants me to grow through this. They're not putting their faith in God and his word. And so, boy, their influence is tremendous. Discouragement is where plain old negativity is developed. And no one, boy, and I sure know I don't, no one wants to be around a negative person. See, when you're discouraged and depressed, it removes you from a place of positive spiritual impact. How many times has a, a discouraged Christian, oh, they came to church, but they just kind of quietly slipped into their pew. And they didn't say much. They didn't shake many hands. They didn't greet many folks. Their, their countenance was pretty obvious that they were discouraged and depressed. And the fact is, they, they weren't able to minister to others their impact and may, maybe someone went and shook their hand hey good to see you today hey glad you're here how you doing i'm okay and that person walked away and said man what's wrong with them you ever have that thought what went wrong this morning in their life not asking them but they're thanking it and all of a sudden there's a negative uh, influence that god did not design any of us to have as I said before, number three here goes right along with number four. What happens as an outcome is I cease to be an encourager in the lives of others that God has called me to be. And this is huge. This is where we're going to kind of park it if we could say that. 
To be an encourager, you must be encouraged yourself. Okay? So don't miss it this morning. To be an encourager, you must be encouraged yourself. David had to be encouraged in the Lord before he could be the leader he was supposed to be. And to go back says, listen, hey, God's going to give us all these things back. Hey, be encouraged. God's going to take care of these things. And God's going to lead us and direct us. Before he could do that, he himself had to be encouraged in the Lord. And so this is huge for you and I as believers. The only thing that will be a constant source of encouragement in our lives through thick and thin, through every trial and trouble, through every hurt and heartache will be these truths that we've talked about this morning gleaned from the Word of God. But if I fail to heed them, if you fail to heed them, if we fail to live by them, then we'll cower in the face of discouragement. We'll allow it to rule in uh, my life, in your life. And what will happen is we will leave unfulfilled one of the greatest roles that God has given every believer in their local church. That's to be an encourager. In our theme for this year, we're going to talk about the second part of this verse, but I want you to see this is partially why we started this series at the beginning of the year. In 2 Timothy, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians, we'll get to 2 Timothy in a moment. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, the Bible says this, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do wherefore comfort consolation building up encouragement in modern vernacular modern terms is what he's saying here hey comfort one another encourage one another and then he goes on to build up one another but i find it interesting that he starts here comfort one another see one of the greatest roles that you have in this church christian member of fostoria baptist church and this is why i love this church is because there are many here who heed this verse wherefore comfort yourselves together Comfort, encourage one another. That's your goal, your responsibility. But boy, if we're fighting with it ourselves, discouragement, if we're fighting with despair and depression, there's no way we're going to fulfill our role. And boy, is it a vital role. I want you to see this morning. Listen, you may have never thought of the church as a place of encouragement, but God designed it to be so. God wants it to be so. And you play a part in that. It takes every team member to get on board and to say, wait a second, when I go to church, I need to encourage someone. I need to uplift somebody's spirit. I need to be encouraging in one way or another to someone else, a fellow believer. Don't get so focused on self. Don't live in your own little world. Be a part of the fellowship of Jesus Christ christ come here with the goal in the heart to say i'm going to encourage someone because i am supposed to biblically i love what william barclay said about uh, this idea and this responsibility of christians to encourage forgive me again i i need to use a different font this is what he said one of the highest human duties is the duty of encouragement now notice this It is easy to laugh at man's ideas. It is easy to pour cold water on another man's enthusiasm. It is easy to discourage others. We have a Christian duty. We have a Christian duty to encourage one another. Many a time a word of praise or thanks or appreciation or cheer has kept a man on his feet. Blessed is the man who speaks such a word. Would you take it to heart this morning? Because no doubt there have been times in our lives where, listen to me, we find it much easier to discourage someone than to encourage. 
It is. It's much easier. It's much easier to complain about something. It's much easier to be critical of something. It's much easier to, 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 to tell them what, how they should have done it and to tell someone, well, what did you think you were going to happen? It's much easier to discourage someone than to encourage them. Do you remember here in Psalm 61 what, what David said? You're here. Let's look there. Psalm 61. Remember David. He says this, and he puts it into terms that I think we'll see uh, expresses for all humans. Notice it. Hear my cry, O God. Untend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Verse 3. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I want to draw your attention to this passage as we return one more time. And I want you to see a basic human need. Something we all have in common that David expresses here. And he expresses it in his idea or his use of the word rock, his use of the word shelter, and his use of the word of a strong tower. You say, Pastor Henry, what is it that all humans have? We all have a need for a refuge we can escape to. We all have a need for a shelter, someplace that we can run to. As David says it here, a rock that is higher to eye, a shelter to hide in, a strong tower to protect us and, and to accept us. We all have that. Many times over, I said that the nation of Israel, if David hadn't won his wrestling matches with discouragement, the kingdom of Israel maybe never have been. Time and time again, David expressed, hey, I have this great need, and I'm going to run to God because I have such a great need. Turn with me to Psalm 31 now. Psalm 31. Notice what David writes here. Psalm 31, and it echoes very much what Psalm 61 said. Psalm 31, we'll look at verse 1, and we'll read down through verse 3. Psalm 31 in verse number 1, notice it, down through verse number 3. David expresses this, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for a house of defense, literally a refuge to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. You see this morning, and if we're honest this morning, you, you and I, we all need a refuge. We all need somewhere we can run to, somewhere we can open our hearts to, somewhere that we can just be ourselves, somewhere where we can express and share our heart. We need somewhere and in some place and someone, as David has found, that we can run to. And yet, here's the problem. Sadly, today, shelters and refuges of such are hard to come by. The refuge of someone to just listen to us. The refuge of someone who is good at keeping secrets. The refuge of someone who won't attack you when you open up your heart to them. A refuge of someone who, unlike Job's friends, when you show them your weakness and your frailty they won't point out everything wrong with you. We all need that kind of refuge. As one author put it, and I, I like how he stated, he said this, we all need harbors to pull into when we feel weather-worn and blasted by the storm. Everybody needs a refuge. Don't listen to a person who says, listen, I don't need anybody and I don't need anything. That's a lie. That's a lie. 
And sometimes masculinity gets in the way. And sometimes pride in the old flesh gets in the way. I don't need anybody. And I don't need anything. Yes, you do. You need a refuge. You need a refuge. You need a rock that is higher than you. You need a strong tower. You need God. You need Him. And the fact is, in that setting, as God is our refuge, as God is our refuge, we can't ever forget that God designed His church to be the earthly refuge where all can find the divine refuge. So the church, the local church, is called to be a refuge. It's called to be a shelter. It's called to be a place where people can go and, and know that, that needs are going to be met and that they'll find the divine refuge. One of my favorite stories in all the Scripture is John Mark. John Mark was discouraged. He was probably depressed. He was probably heartbroken. He was saddened. He had just a, a few weeks, months earlier, maybe even a year, he had been on top of the world. Everything was going great. He was just enjoying life. He was traveling with the famous missionary Paul and his entourage. They were going from city to city. God was doing amazing things. Things were happening. God was blessing. But somewhere along the way, in John Mark's heart, he felt like he needed to go home. He needed to return and just go back there. His heart pulled him that way, and all of a sudden, he left. In fact, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 15, the group was in Pamphylia, and John Mark left, and he went back home, much to the chagrin of Paul and some of the others that are there. Well, sometime later, and as Paul, as I believe, John Mark is likely discouraged, he's disheartened by what had happened, the time came again for Paul and Barnabas to go back out on a journey. They were going to go out on a mission trip. And Barnabas said, hey, I want to take John Mark. And boy, can I tell you, Paul raised a ruckus. No way I'm taking him. John Mark, you want to take John Mark? John Mark let us down. John Mark, in fact, as Paul described it, as was written in the Scriptures, he left off the work. He turned away from the work. Paul says, there's no way I'm taking John Mark. John Mark has disappointed us. He has let us down. He left us to do all the work. He left us when we were there on that mission trip. I don't want John Mark to go on this next trip. He doesn't deserve to go. And boy, Paul was pretty hard on John Mark. No doubt, John Mark's heart was already convicting him. Was already beating him up. He probably showed him maybe some discouragement, some depression, or just despair over. He knew he messed up. He knew that, that boy, he should have never left, and, and he had left them in a lurch. He, he got it. He understood it. And can I tell you, then at that moment, what happened? Well, Barnabas reached out to John Mark and said, oh, I think we should take him. In fact, Barnabas and Paul decided to split and go on two different missionary journeys. Barnabas took John Mark, and Paul took uh, Silas, I believe it was, and went on his trip. Now listen to me. In that moment... You know what? John Mark did not need the strong words of Paul. He needed the comforting embrace of Barnabas. He needed a refuge and a shelter. He needed somebody to come along and say, listen, John Mark, I understand. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah, hey, I understand you messed up. I, I understand, but listen to me. God's in control. And these things are going to work together for your good. He trusts in God. And man, Barnabas came along, and boy, he really encouraged, if we might put it that way, he encouraged John Mark. Can I tell you right now, you and I need to pray and ask God for wisdom and discretion to know when someone just needs someone to listen to them. Talk. To share their heart. To talk about their failures. To talk about what happened. 
Sometimes someone needs a comforting arm around their shoulder. Sometimes they need us, they need to just hear from us that everything is going to be okay. Now listen to me, listen to me carefully. This is not sacrilege, but this is simply true. This is why the local neighborhood bar has become a substitute for church. This is exactly why, I'll repeat it. The neighborhood local bar has become a substitute for church. And you can fill in the blank with many other things the community comes up with other than the bar. But the bar is a perfect example. And I mean it. For sure it's a poor substitute and a counterfeit. But it's competing with the fellowship that God intends to happen at a church. It is. It's a great imitation. How is it that? Well, instead of dispensing... Instead of dispensing sustaining grace, my friend, it dispenses numbing alcohol. Instead uh, of uh, giving or helping folks find overcoming power, it provides an escape from reality. All in an environment that is accepting, permissive, inclusive, and connected. So in one word, what is the local bar, or again, any kind of community establishment where they have promised these things, what does the local bar uh, become and what the church is supposed to be? A refuge. A refuge. See, you think of it, though I have never been inside one, I know what transpires inside of one. In a bar, hmm, nothing can be shared that will shock those gathered there. Secrets can be shared and usually kept. It's a temporary refuge and shelter. So let me ask you this morning, why do bars flourish? Why do bars flourish? It's not the alcohol. Because if it was the alcohol, most of them could just go down to the grocery store and probably find it cheaper. It's, it's not the alcohol. That's not why there's bars on every corner and scattered throughout our community. It, it, it's not why we find them in different places. No, no, friend. Bars flourish because of how God designed you and me and every other person. How did he design us? Well, we've already said it. We need a refuge. But can we expound upon that? We were created with a desire in our hearts to know and be known. We're created to accept and be accepted. We are created to love and be loved. We are created to to share our hearts and hear the hearts of others. And somewhere along the way, listen to me and listen to me very carefully. Somewhere along the way, we have turned church sometimes into a place where we just come, we put on our front, we put on our front like everything is perfectly fine. I'm great. How are you? Perfect. And the reality is my life is falling apart. And I really need someone to share it with. I need someone to pray with me about it. And what we have done, we have turned church from the refuge that God intended it to, to a place where we come and we all act like everything's perfect. Not always, but often. And God never intended the church to be such. God wants His church to be a refuge. A place where people can come to love and be loved. To accept and be accepted. Not for not in their sin, not in compromising the scriptures, no. But to be a refuge that points them to the divine refuge. You see, when you think about it, 
If we are created as such with such needs and to have a refuge, a few beers is a cheap price for some to get that kind of temporary shelter and refuge. And yet we know what? That's not a lasting refuge. It's an empty refuge. It, it, it's, a, it, it's hollow. It's without substance. We understand it that those people wake up the next morning and everything's just as bad, if not worse than it was. That refuge was temporary. It was just for a few moments. It, it was not lasting. It was hollow. It was empty. It was vain. But I'll tell you, my friend, there is a refuge found in Jesus Christ and our Lord that will last for a lifetime. And it is to be expressed through the fellowship of a local church where we come together and we are encouraged and we encourage others. We are encouraged in the Lord and we come to minister one to another. Hey, who did Jesus Christ call unto himself? The perfect? No, the broken. The weary, the hurting, the heavy laden, the weary. He says, come unto me. So don't you think that the scriptures indicate that he wants us as a church to be a place where we can come and say, I'm overwhelmed. I've had it. I don't know how much longer I can do this. I'm weary. All I want to do is cry. In times like that, we need a refuge and a shelter. And God has called each one of us to be that. To be an encourager. To create a, a church fellowship and a place where folks can come in and, and they can be brutally honest. I've had a terrible week. Well, you just need to be content. Stop griping and complaining. And you know what? Paul may have said that. But you know what? Barnabas didn't. Barnabas was to say something like, hey, I'm sorry to hear that. Why don't you tell me about it? Come on, let's sit down here. Why don't you just share? And, and then we can pray about it together. Oh, Barnabas would have encouraged someone in the Lord. And, and maybe that person does have to deal with discontentment. But I'll tell you, my friend, in that moment, they need an encourager. And God, we need to pray for God's wisdom and discretion to know when we need to be an encourager. So we can create, continue to help Fostoria Baptist Church to be a place that is an encouragement, a refuge. It has been said this, discouraged people don't need critics. They heard enough already. They don't need more guilt or piled on distress. They need encouragement. They need a refuge. A place to hide and to heal. A willing, caring, available someone. A confidant and comrade at arms. Now listen to me, listen to me, and all, I'm almost done. I truly believe that Fostoria Baptist Church is such a place. It's that kind of church. But, as always... We can and we must do better. We can and we must do better. We have not arrived as a church. There are people, no doubt, sitting in these pews right now that need a brother and sister in Christ to encourage them, not judge them, not dismiss them, not to pile on, not to gossip about them, not to tear them down and attack them, but truly to encourage them. To lift them up, to lift their spirits, to help them be encouraged in the Lord and to encourage themselves. And they have come to the church desiring that. But you know what often happens is sometimes we come in, we're discouraged. We're depressed. We've had a difficult week and things have not gone the way. The week ahead looks terrible and the things are going to happen. And we come in, we sit down, we, we try and we attempt to worship God and we praise Him. And we leave and we're just as discouraged and depressed and in despair as when we came. 
Two things should have happened. Two decisions need to be made to stop that from occurring, from making sure that people come to a church and they find a refuge, a shelter. You know what the first decision is? Is this. Number one, the one in need of discouragement needs to step out on that limb of reaching out and opening up. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. Now listen to me. Let's say you go out to the parking lot this morning, you hop in your car, and as you're driving down the road, you notice that your, your gas gauge is close to that letter E. If you don't know it yet, that means empty. You don't want to find that out. You find that you go, hey, I've got to get some gas. You, so you drive to the local gas station, Deerfield or Mayville, and you pull in, and you pull in right next to that pump, and you turn off your car, and you sit there. You wait five minutes. And then you pull out, and you go down the road. And all of a sudden, about... 10 minutes down the road, your car just stops running. Now, you say, well, I went to the gas station. You sure did, but you didn't get what you were supposed to get at the gas station. The gas station was designed to give you what? Gas. You know what the church is designed to do? Encourage you. But you've got to decide to be encouraged. You've got to get out on a limb. Well, Pastor Henry, the last person I opened up to, they never helped me. In fact, they went and talked bad about me to someone else. Well, I'm sorry about that. That doesn't mean you stop reaching out. Because one didn't work, you keep trying. You don't stop, you keep trying. You reach out to someone else. You open up to someone else. You find a brother or sister. Hey, can we talk? Hey, could you pray with me about something? Hey, I've had the, uh, the worst week. Can we, would you listen a few moments? Would you just, can, can we simply talk? Can I call you this week and, and we just talk and, and just try to encourage one another in the Lord? Could we do that? Hey, you need to get out on that limb and you need to reach out and open up. You do. Don't you ever say, hey, boy, I went to that church and boy, no one befriended me and no one encouraged me and no one did this. And yet you sat in a pew and you never reached out and opened up to someone. That's just as bad as driving into a gas station and saying, you know what? That speedway down the road, they stink at giving gas. I pulled in there, stayed in my car for five minutes. I never got any gas. They are the worst gas station ever. They say they have gas. They don't even have gas. We laugh at that. We think that's ludicrous. But can I tell you, the same is true of church. If we come in and we don't get plugged in and we don't reach out to someone, we don't open up, and then we walk out and say, well, that church is not good for anything. That's no encouragement. Friend, can I tell you the first decision that needs to be made, if you're discouraged and you're depressed, and you know what? We've gone over this. The devil wants you to think that you're all alone. The devil wants you to think that no one wants to help you, that no one cares about you, that they're not going to care about what you're going through. They're not going to understand. Boy, the devil wants you to stop reaching out and stop opening up. Yet God says, come unto me. And I've given you brothers and sisters in Christ that you need to open up to, that you need to reach out. Obviously, then, the second decision is this. God has impressed upon our heart. He has called each one of us, and he's put us in positions to encourage someone else. So you and I must take the time to listen and to love. I, I can't help but always be reminded and to go back to this. Jesus Christ said to his disciples, By this shall the whole world know that you're my disciples, by your love one for another. By your love one for another. And I think one of the greatest ways that can be expressed and demonstrated within a local church is through this encouragement. Fulfill your role as a member of the church. As a member of the family of God, encourage someone. 
Seek them out. Matthew chapter 18, when there's a fence between a brother and a brother, the Bible literally describes them meeting on the way to go make it right with one another. Right? I mean, that's what the Scriptures teach. So can I tell you what encouragement looks like? The person who needs encouragement trying to find someone, God lays it on the encourager's heart, and guess where they're doing? They're meeting each other as they're heading to find each other. God says, you need to reach out and you need to open up. This is why I've given you the local church so you can be encouraged. He says this, you're, this is why you're a part of the local church. You need to encourage someone else. But to be an encourager, you must be encouraged. And they ought to meet each other. Now listen, I'm done. You know what my favorite part about the story of John Mark is? It occurs sometime later. Paul is writing. Remember me mistakenly saying 2 Timothy? Here's where 2 Timothy comes in. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. I love this. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says this. Look at it. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is, what's the next word? Profitable. He is valuable. He's profitable to me for the ministry. Now get this. Do not miss this. You will never know what your encouragement is going to accomplish in the life of another. You don't know of what value and profit they will be for the Lord's work, for the Lord's ministry, for someone else in their life, a life that they touch. But because you're an encourager, because you come along and put a comforting heart around them, you lift their spirits up, you will never know the effect. I find this amazing that Paul says about John Mark, man, he is profitable, he is valuable, and even not just to other folks, but to me. The young man that Paul had kind of dismissed already. And here Paul says he's profitable. He's valuable. You'll never know. You'll never know the impact. Yet Barnabas had the impact on so many people because he was an encourager. He was called the son of consolation. Literally, the son of an encourager. He was an encourager. He encouraged people. So what do we find out? Understand, if you want to say, okay, pastor, what's the, the final takeaway? Here it is. It is our responsibility to make the church what god wants it to be that's a refuge and shelter to all wherefore comfort yourselves together make it a shelter and do that to do that we must be constant encouragers and to be constant encouragers we must be constant conquerors of discouragement and depression and despair in our own lives through the power of god's word can i tell you this morning I love Fostoria Baptist Church. You know why? Because we have some of the greatest encouragers here. But God is not satisfied until we have 100% encouragers here. God wants all of us. And you know why? Because I love Fostoria Baptist Church, boy, I sure do want to make it a refuge and a shelter for anyone and everyone. I want it to be a place where we can come, you know, we can pull a brother or sister aside and say, listen, I've had a terrible week and I've been so overwhelmed and I've been so discouraged. Can we just talk? Could, could, could you just pray with me? Could, could we just, I, I just need to share with someone. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Let's go over here. Let's find this room. Let's sit down in this pew. Uh, let, let's just talk through it. Share with me. Isn't it amazing what just sharing your heart will do for you sometimes? Having someone to listen. And better yet, we have brothers and sisters here who will encourage us in the Lord. I'll tell you, my friend, we sure do have it good as the children of God. He's blessed us. Let's work this week. Let's work in the months and the years to come. Let's join together to make FBC a refuge of encouragement.
You know, next week, we'll finish it up. I said it only land through January. We're going to do one more week. We'll talk about how do you specifically do that. Okay, Pastor, you said I need encourage. How do I encourage someone? We'll look at it next week from God's Word, specifically how you and I can encourage someone for lasting encouragement in the Lord.